With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. When Tanya Lozano learned that Chicago, her hometown, had the highest life expectancy gap in the country, she sprung into action. She combined her passion for sports, dance, and activism into a community organization that offers fitness and community health programming, Healthy Hood Chicago. Tanya and I talk about growing up in a family of outside agitators, her work inside city government, and why she believes community is critical to well-being. Tanya, I'm so happy to see you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited for this. Tanya, you come from a family of activists. Can you tell me about them? Yeah. So my mother is Emma Lozano. She's also the sister of Rudy Lozano, who would be my uncle, are both internationally recognized immigration activists. So I grew up in that kind of world. And my father, Reverend Slim Coleman, he was a member of the Chicago chapter of the Black Panther Party with Chairman Fred Hampton. He was also a key person in the election of our first African-American mayor here in Chicago, Harold Washington, and since then has done just incredible work all over the map in terms of social justice. So that, yeah, those are my parents. And then, like I said, my uncle, Rudy Lozano, was a key figure in bringing about the Black and Brown coalition that got Mayor Harold Washington elected. He was somebody who was really fighting for uh, unifying the Black and Brown communities for the sake of liberation, for the sake of social justice. So I kind of have a, a legacy, right, of, of family who has been in the movement for social justice. What's the first act of community organizing that you do? Because I grew up in it, it, it was just all around me all the time, and I had to participate in it regardless. But I would say my first act of community organizing that I've ever done myself in terms of like being a leader would be my freshman year of high school. And that was at Cristo Rey Jesuit High School, which 
Jesuit is a Catholic school. And so it was like a big deal because nobody ever like did anything like that there. And I organized a walkout of my school to support the immigration marches at, at that time. What did you learn from that experience? Well, number one, that authorities are most likely not going to support you and they may even try to stop you from doing something different. But the most important thing that I learned was that you got to do it anyway, because that's how we agitate cycles of thought, cycles of abuse, cycles of inequality, is that we have to become agitators. Because you pay a real consequence for organizing that walkout. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I did not get accepted back into that school the next year. And at that time, that was a big deal for me because I was a basketball player and I was a freshman in a starting point guard position. And I was in a Catholic school that had resources to help me get recruited and scouted so that I can continue on playing basketball. That, at that time, that was like my goal in life. because I was a young person and I was an athlete. It was really tough. So I went to an alternative school that did not have a basketball team. And so then I left and went to a public school to play basketball because that, again, that was like my everything. And then shifted again back to the alternative school to learn of my own history, the history of the Puerto Rican diaspora and, and the Black history in America. And so I had only ever gone to schools in underserved communities, Black and brown communities. Then going to college was a culture shock. I went to Naperville, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. And it's uh, the school itself, North Central College at at that time, and I don't know what the, what it is now, but at that time, it was 92% white. And there's Confederate flags hanging out of some of these giant homes while I'm walking around, going from class to class, and just being amongst a student body that was just so different. It just it took me out of my element. And then it also just like put me in a state of depression. And I just, but I remember just going to classes, you know, and being the, the outspoken like person of color in these classes. I was learning of a lot of things I had never been taught before. And I was appreciative of that. But to hear people's opinions and to hear people's like narratives on all of this stuff was like mind blowing to me. Like I remember one of the conversations in my political education class was like, we were talking about the bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And the professor was asking us like, do you think that, you know, this was justified to a degree because we became the most powerful country in the world after this. And then I just watched as hands went up and spoke about how it was the overall good for our country and not considering that people and for their children for generations to come, were going to be affected by, you know, this nuclear weapon. And it, it just was like really crazy. I, that was not the I talk, we talk about ignorance on both sides. You know what I mean? Like in my community, people say that we're ignorant, but then I go to the, this affluent white community and I'm like, man, you're ignorant in, in some of the worst ways, like in terms of having empathy and learning what understanding is and learning that, you know, you affect people with your action. And so it was, it was a lot for me. I didn't last very long in college. <laughs> After college, you, you have a, a number of jobs. It actually feels like you kind of are really clear pretty early about the space that you want to exist in and the type of change that you want to activate. I'm very curious for you coming from a family of outside agitators about the decision to spend a few years in city government. And I wonder if you can walk me through a time that government got it right, that government was able to deliver for people when it came to this idea of community health and community access? 
it's interesting, right? Because I feel like there are systems that need to change in order for like real progress to happen. And I would say like, I know that there has been certain like elected officials who go in there and they're like true champions of like the people's causes and issues. But for B, I don't think I've seen a time where government has gotten it right. So many of the decisions that get made in government have, you know, big pharma in mind, have profit in mind. And especially when it comes to how they distribute resources to community organizations who think that they can get it right and are getting it right to a degree already. But I, like, it, it's really about us doing it for ourselves first, or at least starting to design it already before the government can get involved with their voice. We need to be given ours first. And I just don't see that there are structures and systems in place in this government that exist like that. And so like, I try not to focus so much on city government or state federal government, especially because I worked for city government. And I know how that works. It's a very bureaucratic process, and it lacks a ton of humanity. And so I think it's important for us sometimes to stop focusing so hard on what they are and are not doing and really focus on like, what do we really want? What are is our demands? What are the things that we need to work on so that we can create a space for them to play a role in it? Otherwise, they design what we're doing, and then we're just playing a role in what their plan is. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the ball is filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. 2014, you found Healthy Hood Chicago. What was the gap or the void in services that you had identified? The data comes out, right? 
Dr. David Ansel writes this book called The Death Gap that says in Chicago, there is the largest life expectancy gap that exists between communities of color and affluent communities. And we know that Chicago is not the poorest city or lacks the most resources. It's one of the biggest cities in, in the country. Right. But it's because of how segregated we are. And that's, you know, that's a, that is a question of race. And people always say racism doesn't exist, but the healthcare system really exposes how racial inequality does exist within our systems and structures of this country. And so when that data came out, especially being that I'm from Chicago and I live in one of these communities that are affected by this life expectancy gap, it just, it felt like we needed to figure out something for ourselves. What was it that was causing this life expectancy gap? These five diseases are not death sentences. They are completely preventable, but because of the way the healthcare system is structured, it's structured to treat people after they get sick. So in order to make profit, people need to be sick. Then they really have no motive to be to help in preventing sickness. Right. So we had to do that for ourselves. And we like going from, like I said, black and brown communities my whole life to an affluent white community and seeing the difference in how the communities prioritize their health, how they have the space and the access to do so, how their food is healthier and all of these different things. I just, for me, I, it was like, I could not unsee it. I could not unknow it. And I had to bring it back to my community. Like, this is why they live longer. And it's not that we don't, we can't do this for ourselves, but we just don't have a structure of communication and education process that we're teaching that to ourselves as a community. And so that's why Healthyhood was born. So, you know, we decided that we wanted to be an example and be a place that wasn't just like a physical brick and mortar place for people to come and get it, but that would be a spark to a fire of what is a movement that is going to shift the culture for our community and really get people to prioritize their health. There's an expression you use in your bio on LinkedIn that I want you to explain to me. You call yourself a community health culture jammer. What does that mean? That's changed, by the way. I don't. It's funny that update that is your LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Tanya. I need to. I actually prefer the term community architect, and that is because I I feel like when I started Healthyhood and I started my career in activism, at least publicly, it was very health and wellness heavy based. Um, and it still very much is, but it has become more of a comprehensive, holistic approach to the inequality that exists in black and brown communities. And I call myself a community architect because I've been able to build communities, bring about coalitions so that those communities can communicate with each other so that we can build more people power to de- like to create the demand that we want equality. And and so I've built several communities, right? When I say I'm an architect, it's not that I'm building buildings, but I'm building these communities. One of them is the Get Your Mind Right community, which is a collective of mental health professionals or healers. If they self-proclaimed healers, they meet as a collective, they give free resources to the community. I've also built obviously the Healthyhood Fitness and Wellness community that teaches dance and fitness classes. I've built a collective of artists that I go to that are a part of the movement and make sure that the art is representative of what's going on in the movement. So just really just developing collectives and then bringing them together as a coalition so that there's some kind of communication. The best part about that is that I help get them built, but the structure that the itself holds itself together. So it's not really based on me. It's based on a, on a, idea on a message, which is social justice. I asked you to talk about your time in government and a time when you saw government 
get it right. Now, I want to ask you the same question about the work that you do. Can you tell me even about a, a single person you have worked with where you feel that your theory of change has impacted their lives in a real and meaningful way? I would say my partner, Siobia Rivers, is a great example. Siobia just is this dynamite fitness instructor. She's probably one of the best in Chicago. And she's uh, the co-founder of Healthyhood Chicago. When I met Siobia, she was going to move up in the fitness industry. And after we connected and had some real serious conversations about what it was like, because at the time I was a personal trainer as well, and what it was like to be a personal trainer or just in, in the realm of fitness as a woman of color, it was that the only way we were going to actually make a living off of our craft was if we were serving in affluent communities, gyms, uh, high-end fitness studios, if we were actually going to get paid our value. And sometimes not even that, but that was where the profitable infrastructure was in place, right? Like in order to make a living, we had to go there. And it was a frustrating experience for both of us as women of color, because we come from communities that are devastated and disproportionately affected by disease and illness, especially these preventable ones like diabetes and hypertension that ultimately will be prevented if they lived healthier lifestyles. And we knew how to guide people into those healthy lifestyles, but we couldn't serve our own community because we couldn't make any money doing it. And it was frustrating. So we, we really came together and said, like, we want to change this. Like, I want to serve my own people because I know they need me. And, and we connected on that level. And I mean, since then, both of us have expanded our consciousness in terms of what health and wellness looks like for black and brown communities together. And I've watched her become this extremely revolutionary woman who can speak so beautifully about the disparities that exist, but more importantly, about the things that we can do to, to change that. She's definitely changed a lot of how she lives her life and how she processes the thing that she does. How about the people who've come through your doors? How about the people who've taken a fitness class or a dance class and have benefited from that work? I think the, the biggest thing for the community members that they get from us is political education that really creates a level of like, I'm a part of something bigger. Like my trauma and my experiences as a black and brown person are not specific to me, but it is a collective experience. And I can share with my community that we're going through this, but we're going through it together. And if we start to build with each other, then we can change that for ourselves in the next generation. It's not so much just a fitness class. You know what I'm saying? It's really that it's a community space that accepts you for every part of who you are, no matter what that looks like, no matter what that feels like. And even sometimes those are bad, you know, there's bad parts of our community, right? Sore spots that are a reflection of systemic racism, but sore spots nonetheless that exist like domestic violence, like uh, gun violence, that they become exposed because we're in community and now we can address them. And so that's what our people get. It's like, that's, that's a safe space where they feel like they actually are a part of it. And they're not just going to receive goods and resources. They're not just going to get charity, but they're really becoming a part of a community that's going to address the overall issues of their community. When you started Healthy Hood Chicago, what kind of budget were you working with? How much money did you need to operate it for that first year? 
that first, very first year, we had no money, no money, but I had a space, I had access to a space. And so I probably spent about, I would say maybe $4,000 that year of my own money to get like a few little like equipment based things for fitness classes and stuff like that. But the majority of how I started the organization was just by providing the skills that I had as a person which was that I was a fitness instructor, I was a Zumba instructor, and I could teach that as long as I had a space that was open to me inviting community members there. That's amazing. And at what point do you say to yourself, like, I'm not going to be able to grow and have the impact I want to have if I am relying exclusively on my time and my skills? It really came with a better understanding of what the mission was for healthy hood. It wasn't until I realized like, oh my God, like this is a lot more serious than I was making it in the beginning, which was that I just saw that there needed to be fitness classes and I provided them. It was that we needed to make this more comprehensive and more holistic. And in order to do that, I needed people to help. I needed other people who were just as passionate about this. And if they weren't yet, then it was my job to inspire them and so the team grew quickly. I talk a lot. So I, I, and I pride myself on making relationships because I value them. And so as I was making relationships, I was bringing people in to give some of their services. And, and then also like, you know how it is when you're building a business, like you really don't know a lot. It's everything is so new. I think about like getting my 501c3 and that process. I could have never done that alone. I needed somebody to who knew how to deal with grants because once you get a grant, it's a lot of work after you get those things. You got to report on that stuff. I can't do that stuff myself. Now there's other people who specialize in these other things. You just have to make sure those people understand the mission and are just as passionate about it because you know that they're going to work with integrity. Do you have a sense of what you want to do next? I do. I want the legacy of Healthy Hood Chicago to be that we created an alternative healthcare system by people of color for people of color. And because I think it's time for us to recognize that we have knowledge and skills that date back to indigenous times to help prevent us from getting sick in the first place, but also to treat sickness in our own community. We now have doctors and nurses of color who are trained in Western medicine. And there is a way for us to really make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other. We just need to practice creating systems and structures for us to make sure that those resources that we naturally have and that we've gained in all of these generations of being a diasporic people gets distributed back into our own neighborhoods, So our people don't continue to get sick that we can really start from there because I think health and wellness is the best umbrella when it when we talk about issues of social justice. Tanya, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you as always for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Polina Velasco is our producer. Manuela Bedoya is our marketing lead. Kojin Tashiro is our associate sound designer and mix this episode. We love hearing from you. It makes our day. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram. 
tweet us at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise that is on our website, latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember, please subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you are listening right now. Every time you share this podcast, every time you share an episode, every time you leave a review, it helps us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.